This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your final installment of the series, part two, host, Tommy. <laughs> and all right, so we're finally here. We are finally at the end of Twilight. Uh, all of you guys who have been asking us to review the series, we made it. Hey! I was expecting you to celebrate, and I got nothing. <laughs> I didn't realize this was a celebration-worthy event, but you know what? It's we made it. This is this is an ending, and that is something to say. <laughs> it is one of the movies of all time. <laughs> in, in, in a long list of films that have been created, this is definitely on it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, you know, with the exception of something like, I mean, we did a bunch of like disparate Exorcist movies, but I think this is maybe the first series that we've gone through. You know what the last one is? We did Karate Kid, remember? Yeah, we've we done... did the Karate Kid, and it's been a couple years since we've done something like this, since we've done franchises. Damn, that's crazy. We even did the series. Yeah, which... we did. Well, we we did the first four seasons of Cobra Kai. It kept going after, and we probably could return back to it and and catch up, um, because the series somehow is still ongoing, even though all the kids are like full adults at this point. I know, but... and they and a bunch of them are already moving on to more profitable franchises. Yeah. But yeah, no, this is it. It, it. it In some ways, it feels like this is the first time we've done something like this in Star Wars, really. Uh, our first year that we did the podcast, except those, if you remember, we did it every other week where we would do a Star Wars movie and then we like sprinkled other things in between. So I think it's possible that uh, while while that worked for Star Wars, I think because you and I have seen all of the movies in the series, something like this that we'd never seen before, you have to do it one one after the other, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because... It makes it a lot easier to digest it and to have yeah. it one have it make sense as one coherent story. I think if we threw other shit in there, we'd probably be a whole hell of a lot more confused. Oh, absolutely. Especially since you and I are known for going on tangents of things we like better than the <laughs> movies we did watch. Yeah. I mean, we just get taught like I could have watched freaking 30 days of night and then told you how that's exactly what I think a clip should have been. Yeah. But, I mean, for better or for worse, or for whatever you want to call it, we made it to the final movie of a franchise. And there's something to always be said about, like, the finality of a franchise, right? Because there's very few series that have the balls to put the, you know, the bookend on something. You know, everything is so serialized now that that movies don't want to do that. Like we could look at something like Avengers Endgame, which we did early in the run of this show, and it felt like such an ending. And literally every other Marvel project since then has felt like side quests, (laughs) if nothing (laughs) else, including stuff like Spider Man, which you know it it is its own series and it's kind of big. And Spider Man basically had to dip into its own history to find something that could match like the level of Endgame. It's uh, 
it wasn't actually an ending, right? Like it was meant to continue after that. And, and it just hasn't continued in a way that I think lives up to what it was. The same More... thing with Star Wars. If you take a look with uh, Rise of the Skywalker, yeah. uh, whether which is a terrible ending, by the way. Reg- uh, yeah, because very clearly it's an ending that's supposed to set up for something. <laughs> like no one ever has the the ability to just be able to close in on an IP and be like, this is done. Including movies like Indiana Jones, where we got another one, like not even a year ago, and I totally forgot about it. <laughs> yeah, The Godfather does it. I mean, it, it, they, they didn't do it well either. Uh, Godfather 3 is widely regarded as being like the worst of all of them in the series, and and I, I don't... It's it. I don't think it's terrible, and I like the new director's cut that recently came out, the Coda cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's not as it's not of the same quality as the first two. I think probably the one franchise that has landed the plane better than others is one that we haven't watched on this podcast, and maybe maybe this is the year we get to it, and that's uh, the third Lord of the Rings movie, uh, Return of the King. Ah, uh, that's a good which point. Is, which won the Oscar for best picture, right? Like that's how, that's how big and how good it was. And man, but then, I, I think uh, we're getting closer and closer to the day that you and I are going to watch those movies. <laughs> and then, but then we're going to have to watch the Hobbit so we can get context for Lord of the Rings. Do and we then really have to watch all of that? Because it's, I good. Going, it's I actually was... really good. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the Hobbit movie. Okay. So I will make an argument that we should, and then the nerds will make an argument that we then have to watch the extended versions, and then a hundred and thirty-seven hours later. No, we... I I'm just gonna say this right now for our listeners. If we do the Lord of the Rings movies, we are going to do the original cuts if we can find them. <laughs> and I would literally I mean, you're demanding that we add the Hobbit, so I guess we'll add the Hobbit to it. But if it was up to me, I probably would have only done the original trilogy. Um, We can do that separately. It doesn't need to be all in one because, I mean, even the Hobbit movies are almost three hours long. And and again, and that's what I like them, and I think they're pretty well-paced stories. Yeah. Um, Well, that's the other thing, too. Like, I shouldn't get too ahead of myself. I haven't seen it, and if I can get into something like this, I'm sure I can get into something like that. Yeah, you're starting to get furious over something we haven't done. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I'm, I, again, I think we're gonna get there. I think this is the year we're gonna get to that one. So, all right. I will. So, uh, real quick, I kind of need to know. Let's see. We watched a lot of franchise movies. Very few movies have the ability to just kind of end and be okay with what they put out. This is one of them, and I actually do respect the filmmakers and storytellers for doing that. I think Stephanie Meyer went on to do Midnight Sun, which is one, a really cool name. Two, I'm not sure what it's about. I think it's like (laughs) a retelling of one from like Edward's perspective or something like that. Or it was something weird. It's like a weird retelling. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Actually, you know what? I'm going to Google it. But while I Google it, I have to know. What franchise do you think has not necessarily stuck the landing, but had the had the cojones to actually close the close the gap and like you know close you know turn the page, close the book, and be able to walk away from that? I project? think everyone knows what my answer to this is going to be. 
I'm gonna say that you're thinking of uh, Nolan's Batman. Yeah, I, I think, and I got to be honest, it's a movie that I I didn't think was that great when I first saw it. I like it more now. I still don't think it's as good as those first two. I think those first two are in a class of their own. It is. It reminds me of Godfather 3 in that it's a movie that followed up really good movies and doesn't reach the same level. And, and you know, I think it's the beginning of, you know, like this next phase of Nolan where, like, I think some of his movies for as good as they are, you know, I've seen Interstellar, I've seen Tenant, I've seen Dunkirk, I've seen um, Oppenheimer. You and I watched it together, and I just, I don't know, man. I, I, <laughs> it feels like you know, even he's never touched the heights that I think Dark Knight hit at one point. Everyone mm-hmm. wants to tell me that that Oppenheimer is that movie, but I don't buy it. <laughs> so, well, um, a lot but, of people, but do- yeah, I think the fact that they dared give an ending to a character like Batman is mm-hmm. is an interesting idea um and they they went in a direction that is almost completely its own right because they um they went ahead with the idea of instead of something from the comic books where there's you know Dick Grayson or someone who takes up the mantle afterwards they introduce another character um, and they do the joke of ha 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 this guy's Robin but in real life it, the character exists because in the original Batman Begins uh, Christian Bale says the point of Batman is that anyone can be Batman uh, it's a symbol it's not a single human being and I think the fact that he basically had a team of people helping him like Gordon and Fox and Alfred I think it said it, no one person is Batman anyone can be Batman and that's kind of the point of Nolan's thing. Any billionaire with a <laughs> arsenal can be Batman. Like yeah, it's always right. funny, like especially now with like the Spider-Man series out, like where that's kind of like the main thing with Miles Morales is like, oh, anyone can be Spider-Man. Um, it's funny yeah. to think about how it's like that does feel like it's more true, but Batman, because of the nature of the the character, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I true. like to you, think anyone chances, can be Batman. Your chances of being bitten by a radioactive spider are a lot higher than your chances of becoming a billionaire in this capitalistic society that we live in. <laughs> Ooh, damn. <laughs> Shoot for the hip, cowboy. Damn. And that was hard facts with Angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, um, and yeah, I mean... I don't even know. I can't even think of a franchise that recently. It's hard to think of a, of a franchise that had one coherent story from story from movie one all the way to movie four or five or whatever the end of the trilo- the end of the, of the franchise was mm-hmm. that was able to successfully tell that one coherent story. Um, it's kind of hard. I mean, it is kind of hard to do so. But the one movie that come like I feel like this is kind of a cop out because he's more of a character than uh, an actual story was the was the uh, Man with No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. For me, that was one of those movies. But it's literally just that we follow kind of like it's actually similar to Mad Max in that sense, in that we follow one character as they fall through these uh, adventures and get into stuff. But because it's a blank slate character, like you just kind of 
are along for the ride to watch them do cool shit while we while we get introduced to the world around them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I feel like that's a weird cop out. Um, I would have said Jurassic Park up until Jurassic World came. <laughs> <laughs> mm, yeah, if it would have ended with Jurassic World, I actually do think that they probably would have stuck the landing better. Yeah, uh, but the fact that they decided to add two two movies onto that, it's just like okay, well, this was unnecessary. <laughs> oh, I, absolutely. Um, but it is really interesting. Like for all for all things considered, like you can say for all its faults, but this movie, this movie, by which I mean uh, Breaking Dawn. And this franchise as a whole, just like they 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 were happy with the story they told, and they were able to just bring finality to everything, which I personally, as someone that consumes media, respect highly when you don't go for the constant cash grab, which is so easy to do nowadays, you know, right. This is the end of it. It never came back. It ended in twenty twelve. and uh, yeah, it's one of those things. I think it's it's got lasting staying power now because it was something that existed in its own period of time. And now mm. the people who are growing up when it was coming out are either adults or, you know, et cetera. And, uh, and it's so it kind of lives on as its own franchise now. So, uh, yeah, I, I give it adequate credit for doing that. Now, um, let's get into the, I think with that, let's get into the mega problematic movie that is uh, all Breaking right. Dawn. So, Breaking Dawn Part 1 literally ends with uh, Bella coming back from the dead. She is now a vampire, um, and her daughter is alive Ooh, and, and has been brought head. into the world. And this movie, Renesmee, is going to be a big character in it because, obviously... Like she, she is played by an actress who was the who was the age of her as like a child, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what they did, <laughs> what they did in this movie, because the one thing I do know about this movie, um, is that there was it ends up being a CGI baby, and people are creeped out by the CGI baby. Absolutely, but also the picture that has come out and i think you mentioned in a previous podcast is there they were planning on doing practical renesmee and there are like still photographs out there in the world of <laughs> of a practical doll renesmee that looks absolutely horrifying like <laughs> <laughs> now I have to now I have to Google this warlock. You need to check it out because there's I swear it's a picture of Rosalie like uh carrying her and <laughs> it is you need to see it. Let's uh actually, Oh my let's... god, that <laughs> is nightmare fuel. Yeah. Oh, we need to post that. <laughs> yeah, we're putting that on the podcast page because <laughs> this it looks like something out of a James Wan movie. <laughs> oh, it looks like <laughs> It looks like the back twin from Malignant. <laughs> I can't look away. I I thought I thought you brought this up, or did I just, or or was I? No, I brought up this? how creepy the 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 CGI was. I okay. was, yeah, because that's Uncanny Valley as shit. Yeah, spoiler this, alert: it was worse. <laughs> this, it somehow got way worse. How? So, how do, as an actor, do you walk around with this creature? You know what? Forgiven, like how much of like a actual monster Rosalie could be, I think this would be the perfect child for her to walk. Around with. <laughs> <laughs> this little frog face creature. 
yeah, that thing is 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 the most horrid horrifying that thing is, I've ever seen. That is almost as haunting as evil ET that you also showed me. Yeah. <laughs> oh right, that's right. We talked about the the original Close Encounters sequel where they had mm-hmm. like evil ETs. Yeah, that's exactly what that reminds me of. Ugh. <laughs> Uh, but okay so at least they went with the less horrifying thing which was cgi and it looks weird um but yeah the movie is starting off with bella getting used to her uh, new vampirism i want um, to suck your blood come here jacob I, um, I do it makes me laugh because obviously the last movie ended with you know Jacob imprinting on Renesme. So the idea is that now he's going to be protecting her. He will be her protector until mm-hmm. she becomes an adult. Eventually, her weird, her weird man boy, man baby boy, protector boyfriend, who has been in love with her since she was a fetus. Yeah, and you know and... what? This is, the, and I'm going to say for for like to be fair, to be completely fair before I shit all over this movie for doing this we literally talked about dark knight rises just now and i think one of the really under remembered parts of dark knight rises that's actually not like it's very problematic for me is when spoiler alert uh the um the uh talia al ghul character has been revealed um she like talks about how bane was her protector and his only crime is that he loved her. And it's just implying, you know, as some sort of now that she's an adult, they had some kind of romantic relationship. Mm-hmm. And that could be part of the reason why he was excommunicated from the League of Shadows in that. So it is ugh, icky, a thing you don't want to think about. And this is a thing you don't want to think about. But again, this is the world we live in now. So for better or for worse. We have to live in this world where Jacob has imprinted on Renesmee and will protect her until he eventually falls in love with and marries her. Ugh. Yeah. Where, so again, the movie where Charlie just torches everyone to the goddamn ground. Uh, That's I, the one I want. It did make me laugh when you sent me a text message and you said the beginning of Breaking Dawn with no context because in this, in the beginning of this, after Bella meets Renesme and, uh, you know, meets you know sees jacob and jacob explains what is going on here (laughs) to her she literally throws him out of the house (laughs) and i remember (laughs) you sending me a gif of like of gif of uncle phil throwing out dj jazzy from the first prince (laughs) (laughs) so now i cannot think about the scene of jacob being flung out of the uh the Cullen house without thinking of that gif. Thank you. You're welcome. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> I love that scene. Just like between just you got Bella being super furious at Jacob. You got Jacob trying to backpedal and explain everything. And then she gets just as mad about him imprinting on her. Um as she does when she finds out that he nicknamed her Nessie. <laughs> I love when she gets pissed in an actual line in this movie is <laughs> you nickname my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> I was expecting it to get thrown into the river after that. 
For real. Like, she was mega pissed. I think she was more mad about that than the imprinting, honestly. The most I've liked Bella in this entire series. Yeah. Like, who knew Mama Bear Bella was going to be best Bella? <laughs> yeah. Um, and as she pro- she goes on, uh, when she gets jumped by the wolves, she goes on to hurt Seth, which she kind of brings her out of the bloodlust mode and. She feels really bad about it. And of course, it's little baby Seth. Man. Yeah, come on. Seth doesn't deserve this. He's like our favorite guy. And yeah, so the wolves end up kind of retreating, uh, giving Bella and the Pelicans uh, space. Um, but yeah, the entire time, uh, Jacob's just trying to make Bella understand that he has no ill intentions and that he he really does love for Desmond. Ugh. Yes. Ugh. <laughs> Every single time we talk about this, it's just gonna shiver up my spine. <laughs> and yeah. Meanwhile, so after um this entire time, Charlie has believed that uh you know, being informed by the Collins that Bella has been uh somewhere in Europe after their um after their honeymoon and that she's like recovering from having like both her legs broken or something in like a ski accident because she can't ski for that. Um, and at this point, um, it's been a couple weeks since Charlie's pissed and he's trying to, he's ready to fly over to Europe to try to be rightfully with her. so mm-hmm. good father Charlie. And uh, yeah, I, I'll say I this one thing I really do like about this movie is finally now we're going to bring Charlie into this. Because mm. Charlie needs to know. He has been nothing but a patient and understanding parent, parental figure this entire franchise. And the franchise had basically treated him like dog shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a, yeah, he really has just been relegated to being some fucking jackass that, <laughs> that like everyone is just constantly lying to. And this trope works in I think it works it works great in TV series. It's kind of harder yes. in movies. The stupid father trope is one of those things that is like a staple of sitcoms. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even or even like if you were to have like like there's always an emotional payoff to the big reveal of, oh, you know, I finally learned my daughter is a vampire. Or, you know, again, because you and I are mega nerds, uh, whenever the cop finds out that the superhero vigilante is like that one rich asshole they always hated, i.e. kind of like an arrow. Like, there's always, like, an emotional payoff to it. Um, This movie ends up uh, giving it to you in the weirdest way, because instead of Bella getting that chance to kind of reveal herself and, like, tell her story to her dad, because obviously she was going to keep him in the dark for as long as he could. Mm -hmm. In comes Jacob, completely worried about losing uh, his chance at love with Renesmee. So he just like, hey, uh, Charlie, don't be mad. I'm going to turn into a wolf real quick. <laughs> and he ends up just transforming into a wolf, uh, into his wolf form uh, right in front of Charlie. No context. Suddenly, Charlie now has to understand that there are both vampires. Well, no, I don't know if they tell him they're vampires, but they he now he knows there's werewolves somewhere in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. So at that point, um, yeah, at that point, I think that's, um, 
that's where Jacob tells him that uh, Bella's alive and well. She's with the Collins. So he goes over to finally talk to her, and he gets a chance to meet his <laughs> um, adopted do- granddaughter. Oh, jeez. Yeah. They come up with the weirdest, most convoluted lies. Yeah, I. that's the thing, too, that it doesn't do Charlie any favors, and it just makes him such a dipshit. Like, this guy is a sheriff. He's supposed to be one of the smartest guys in town and a good police officer, and he is... They he looks like the village idiot <laughs> with the things that these people are telling him and the fact that he just kind of believes it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, and the scene of of Jacob pulling his wolf out in front of him is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it, it it feels like something that would be like in a comedy series for sure. It feels like a gag that would be played for laughs for something, you know. I laughed. People, I did see part of. I remember seeing this movie and part of it seeing in theaters, and I think this is one of the only scenes besides the end battle that I remembered in this movie, (laughs) and that's because of the snickers and titters of laughter that were in the audience (laughs) when Jacob started unrobing himself. (laughs) I know he. Charlie thought he was gonna have to see some. uh, He thought he would have to arrest himself. They was gonna see Jacob hang some dog. Now here, now this is where I get absolutely furious, and it's a weird writing thing. It's a weird story thing that I think is absolutely stupid. You have the entire movie, you have the entire franchise, where it's established that Charlie loves his daughter, and that he wants to have a relationship with Bella, and that any time she's with the Collins. He's very distrustful, and he wants to. He wants to know more. He wants to be invo- involved in his in his in his daughter's life. But he, you know, he has a twenty minute conversation with Bella, where she pretty much tells him, "I'm moving with the Collins. We're going around the world. There's nothing you can do to stop me." <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, I trust you and your eighteen year old wisdom." I and mean, she just- is married. It, it is it, it's for for as gross and awkward as all of this is it's for better or for worse she is married and that would lead you to believe that she is you know that, that he will leave her to make those decisions and they kind of write a way to get around it too because... but that's the thing you write the entire movie he's this distrustful dude or the entire series he's this distrustful dude that is just looking for a reason to pretty much come after the Collins is what it feels like. Mm. And it's like, for him to just kind of accept this feels super out of character. Actually, how- I think the... Okay, so it works for a couple of reasons for me. One, Jacob turns himself into a werewolf in front of him. There's, I mean, you're forced to accept it at that point, right? Like, there isn't any... He can't say, hey, this might not be happening if someone that he's known as a child is literally morphing <laughs> anamorphing into a wolf <laughs> right before his eyes you know there's there is no skepticism that exists after that i get that maybe he'll be a little he can be a little bit more skeptic of of the cullens and all that kind of stuff but maybe maybe i'm maybe i'm giving this movie too much credit but something like charlie like being in the house in the last movie seeing like the millions of cap and gowns like I don't know. It just feels like 
It's, That's it's, even it's, more reason for him to light this motherfucker up, is in my opinion. Well, the thing is, too, <laughs> look, listen, Charlie will also become a grandfather in this. And I will tell you from experience that the strictest parents on earth completely lose any sense of authority the moment they become grandparents. <laughs> so you're writing off the shitty writing is like he's a grandfather now. He's softened up. Yeah. Look, man, he, that, it, he I has an adopted accepting it. He has an adopted granddaughter now. He's going to soften up. Nah, I, I can't buy that. This guy was ready to light it up. So he's. I'm, I wish we could go back to. I wish we could go back to Twilight One. Charlie, who was just ready to light things up for no reason, man. You know what this movie does do, Charlie? Uh, some some favors too, because on top of the fact that he will become a grandfather now, and it, it, look, at least Bella's being honest with him now. Like she's not lying with him. Like, she doesn't have to hear the stupid nonsense that he was hearing in the in the previous movies, and he's got a girl now. Charlie's got his own things going on at this point in his life, so yeah, no, good for him. Good for him. Now he has a minor league baseball player to get <laughs> up with. <laughs> oh man! But I mean, aside from that, it's fine. It serves its purpose for as weak and flimsy as it is. She... I think it's really funny that like that that you are <laughs> that this is bothering you, and I'm like just going with it. Yeah, I mean, you know what I am. You know what I am. Way more. I, I am Charlie. With I am Charlie, waiting for Jacob to just just present whatever he's going to present. Like, like this movie is undressing itself in front of me, and I'm just standing there saying, "All right, well, let's see what's going on." Then, come on, show me some wolf balls, baby. <laughs> no, it's now. Oh, hold on! Idea for a sequel. Jacob is a Jacob is his deputy who handles things on the res and Charlie is the old you know the old hard nosed detective cop and his partner is the young wolf boy. <laughs> the young what? wolf man no, boy. no 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 I got a better one and that is not Jacob Seth Seth is oh. the Seth is the young deputy and Charlie is the sheriff and because they're in Washington it can be straight up like Twin Peaks right they could have like a like a like a sheriff like a Andrew Jackson um agent Cooper kind of like bizarre buddy cop thing going on and people who are into twilight and have never seen the show twin peaks will have absolutely no idea what the fuck i'm talking about this just sounds like a fever dream to somebody <laughs> but if you watch twin peaks it it is a fever dream you guys <laughs> the the venn diagram of twilight fans and twin peak fans is probably really minuscule <laughs> But there are dozens, and we'd have your first 30 pages right here. Bitch. Yeah, if I get my chance to to merge sequels, that's what I would I My extended universe would be the Seth Charlie Buddy Cop movie, and then the Rosalie Jasper, you know, we're a vampire couple, you know, that got together, and we're, like, watching the full stories of them, like, in the 1800s. Oh, dude, man. <sighs> 
we just need to reach out to these studios and be like, do you guys like printing money? Because boy, do we have ideas for you. <laughs> okay, so Renesme is Charlie's adopted granddaughter, yada yada yada. We're just move on from that now as the months go on essentially the Collins are trying to figure out what the fuck is going on with Renesmee because this is the first time a human has ever given birth to a weird vampire baby so without any previous lore knowledge they're kind of like running tests on her and so begins one of the weirdest tropes in this movie because a lot of it Kind of gets yada 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 with uh, kind of voiceovers from Bella. Mm-hmm. But they then begin the most, the least globe trotting part of this film that is supposed that that has ever happened. For a movie that feels like they're supposed to be on location and globe trotting around the world, they were in, they were in Brazil last time. And for all the different places that they go, it literally feels like they never leave Seattle, like the Seattle, mm-hmm. Washington area. Like it feels like they're in Washington all the time, even when they're in Italy, even when they're in Brazil. Mm-hmm. It like never feels like they're not in Washington. That's where their travel budget went. Was now they're in the soundstage and fucking again. I, again, it must be the 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 fo- the photography, like the way they photograph it or film it, that it just doesn't it doesn't translate. Like, if they're actually shooting it in other places. Yeah. I mean, from what I was reading, the only places they really they really shot were uh, part one, the one, part one scenes in Brazil, and then part two was mostly in New Orleans and Washington, which I guess there is a lot sense. of, there's a lot of gothic architecture that you do see, like when they're supposed to be in London or somewhere, but it's just, oh God, like it just sucks that you have those beautiful scenes of them in those mm-hmm. huge shots of them being like in Brazil and they actually went out of their way to do that to just for um, what maybe 70% of this movie being on a sound stage with with uh foreground and green screens mm-hmm. i mean they like even when they're outside you can <laughs> it just looks weird and then, of course, you know, you meet various vampires from different clans from around the world. Uh, at one point, you meet Ma- Rami Malik and his family. Um, you meet indigenous vampires. And then this movie starts playing into the... What they didn't do with the werewolves, which I was pretty happy about, was do the whole noble savage thing. But then they started doing it with the vampires, like the indigenous vampires, where they would just kind of, like, they started kind of filling in that role of the weird noble savage, which I then kind of felt weird about, where I was like, (laughs) this movie's backtracking in weird ways. I wasn't ready for it to do so. Yeah. But while um, essentially what's happening is... um, is uh they're trying to keep Renesmee's existence uh hidden from the Volturi because the Volturi believe that child vampires cannot be controlled and might be the most dangerous thing that that faces kind of like they all of their existence. So uh their plan is to try to prove that Renesmee isn't one of those immortal children that she is 
an actual vampire and that she will grow and essentially not be a menace to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because you know, apparently creating children is outlawed by the Voltori. Who would have guessed? <laughs> <laughs> and while they're out, I, I don't remember if they were hunting or if they were kind of playing. But while they were out, um, I think they were with Jacob uh, or Irina, one of the cousins of the Collins, ends up seeing, um, ends up seeing, uh, who was it? Uh, Renesme and Bella, and she ends up running towards the Vol- running to the Voltori to tell them about what's going on. Oh yeah, that's right. She goes to Mega Snitch. Damn, she snitches so hard. Uh, it is like the craziest amount of snitching I've ever seen in a movie. And this is what triggers a vision that um of the Voltori coming to kill uh of the Voltori coming to kill um the Collins and Again, I think I've said this in previous movies because I know that this is where it's heading. These are the shittiest villains that you could possibly... Nobody's scared of the Voltari. Are you... When you have Alice who can literally see into the future and then, like... like it feels be... like the Voltari should be scared of the Cullens. Honestly, yes. <laughs> 100% with the powers that some of the Cullens have. I'm like, why is anyone afraid? Like... The Volturi will get bodied by the Collins nine times out of ten. Like they've already, they're establishing already that Bella is some kind of fucking juggernaut vampire, and she's probably stronger than all of them because she's a newborn and she's also so good at controlling the thirst because she's a mother at the same time. Like she may be the she may be the greatest of all time. And then she and, can do this weird psychic shield, which is fucking badass. Yes, she's got the, she's got like X Men powers, and her daughter like <gasps> sees her daughter's like she's like Jean Grey all of a sudden. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it is, yeah. Like, like I'm not scared of these villains, and ultimately, I think for as much as I can go with everything in the movie, I think what fails this the most is the fact that we're building up to the Volturi like being the big bad here. Mm-hmm. But they are not really a big bad. Like with the, with the abilities that the Collins have and also how ineffectual the Volturi have been done now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what am I supposed to be worried about? <laughs> Unless there's some shocking things that happen, which later do. Um, yeah, there's like, nothing. Put really... it this way: like they literally were not in that last movie. Mm-hmm. I, I will give Marvel credit. I will give the Avengers franchise credit for saying, "Hey, this is our big bad. We're going to introduce him in the end credits of the first movie. We're going to bring him up again in the end credits of this movie, and then we're going to dedicate two movies to this villain and show you why this is the worst guy in the universe." And this this franchise didn't even do that. Like the last movie didn't have a villain in it really much at all. And I think the reason why we enjoyed it so much is because it it, it focused on completely other things. Um, it felt like the conflict in that was really between the uh, the werewolves and and the vampires. And, you know, the uneasy trust, like even the villains in that were not really a big deal, but at least the unease of the alliance that was going on between, you know, Jacob and and I guess what was his pack at some point and 
and and the Cullens, like I, that was way more interesting. And again, like the Volturi are, are at the end of this as like as some kind of like, oh, well, they're going to be the big bad in the next movie. And again, it's just don't care. Don't mm-hmm. care. They're the people I care about the least in this. I, I have spent so much time, even Jacob and like I, I care about those people now more than this villain. Like I just these villains, I just don't care. <laughs> No, and, you know, funny that you mentioned that is, yeah, essentially now that the Voltori are kind of being exposed for being kind of useless, yep. <laughs> not really exposed, it's just, yeah, like the, like the Collins are not afraid of them, so they're, they're going to choose to stand against the Voltori if they absolutely need to, which then inspires a bunch of the other old heads and other families and uh, the different vampires they've met to try to... Uh, be witnesses to because that was the biggest thing is that they needed witnesses to prove that Renesme wasn't an immortal child. We get a montage. We get a montage of different vampires from different parts of the world coming to see the Cullens, coming to see the gifted child and her and you know Renesme putting her her hands on them and like showing her visions of like what you know who she is, who her mother is, what happened with her mother, like basically saying, yes, I was born of my mother. I'm not basically proving she's the daywalker, right? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that I'm is vampire Jesus. Doing. Yes. Yes. Again, these people are fucking cool now. <laughs> <laughs> so as um, essentially as all these families start joining forces with the Collins, uh, Alice and Jasper disappear for a while, uh, saying that they're going to find one more witness mm-hmm. um, while everyone else is just kind of left to train. They end up bring, bringing the wolves into the fold, so now uh, the wolves are going to be helping uh, the Cullens try to keep everything safe or keep it from exploding out into a giant battle. And for better um, or for worse, because of the connection that Jacob has to Renesmee now, makes sense. Also mm-hmm. makes sense. Everything here makes sense. I'm not yep. crazy about it, but this movie is making sense for me, and and I gotta respect it for that. And so the Voltori come and they confront the Patagonia wearing, North Face wearing vampires, who even though it's been established, don't need, don't feel cold for some reason. Still had to wear winter wear, which I thought I always thought was funny in this franchise. Yeah, but. They end up meeting up with the wolves, and they have this plan for Jacob to, uh, if the if the if a battle starts, to run off with Renesme into the woods. Um. So Jasper and uh, Alice end up showing up, and essentially the witnesses stand to prove that Renesme is not a a mortal child, but actually like a living human vampire hybrid who is growing right the daywalker she is the daywalker um however because they because the voltori really want uh edward and they really want alice to join their weird uh guard group they end up killing Irina in front of everybody to try to like to to essentially try to uh, instigate a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, when the cousins go running after the vampires, manage to subdue them. However, Alice, 
ends up getting a vision that um, Auro chooses not to change his mind, no matter what, no matter what uh, evidence they present. Her and Jasper end up jumping the vampires, um, who then get subdued and uh, as they prepare to execute Alice, um, Carlisle goes running to her aid. Where Arrow jumps into the sky, and as they like leap at each other, um, Carlisle's headless body lands on the ground as Arrow presents his head to the rest of the vampires. The the, the animations of people literally ripping the heads off of other people are fucking hilarious in this. Like it is absolutely comically <laughs> bad. <laughs> like literal just popping it off like it's a cap on a on a water bottle or something. <laughs> it was so funny. Like it looks like they're leaning in to give somebody a noogie and then all of a sudden, no, you're actually popping someone's head off. <laughs> oh god, his head came off on accident. <laughs> And so begins a giant vampire and werewolf fight. As soon as the battle starts, Jacob takes Renazme and goes off into the woods. Everyone starts battling. Everyone, like, you know, vampires' powers are popping off. There's that one electric chick shocking people. Bella's using her shield abilities to be able to protect uh, Edward as he, like, rips vampires apart. You have, um, Crap, I always forget his name. The big beefy vampire dude. Um, oh, I don't want to derail the show, but like the the older brother, the jockey brother, he just goes around. He's just popping limbs off of vampires. Like it's going crazy. Everyone, everyone's yeah. just ripping each other apart, y'all. Yeah, it's a and lot of heads coming off. At one point, Jasper gets jumped, and he ends up getting his head ripped off. R.I.P. to a real one. <laughs> <laughs> And then, um, yeah, I was pretty disappointed when Jasper got killed. Obviously, you're like, oh, well, the you know, some of the characters we actually like, who <laughs> we've actually been with like this time, I know for real. And then Rami Malik, apparently, he has the power to control. I forgot water. he was in this, absolutely. And I, and I just remember being so completely surprised, like, when I saw that he was in this movie, it's like, oh, Rami Malik is in this. I, it's I didn't even realize he was in this franchise. It's like him and then like the Bryce Dallas Howard thing where it's just like oh cool here's like actors that I know from other things that, are, that just happen to be in this or Anna Kendrick like as well who's not in this mm-hmm. <laughs> he was like oh yeah cool it's, it's, it's those people <laughs> uh, and I remember him when he was introduced he has the ability to control water but mm-hmm. uh, apparently they said fuck that and he just like opens up the earth with an earthquake <laughs> <laughs> down to molten magma so the vampires start throwing the Voltori down and so they can set him on fire using the magma. Edward almost falls in, but he ends up throwing one of the bad guys in there and manages to save himself. <laughs> um, it's freaking crazy as hell, y'all. They just start, yeah, like they just, they, they, who was it? It was Dakota Fanning's character. She tries to use her uh, pain ability on Edward. He ends yep. up, they end up uh, shielding it uh, with Bella's help. And then she ends up getting her head ripped off, which is totally, <laughs> totally satisfying. I hated her character ever since. Yeah. <laughs> and then Arrow at one point just kind of realizes that the Volturi are outmatched by the rest of the vampires and starts seeing them flee. Um, a bunch of them try to jump uh Jacob while he's running with Renesme, he ends up killing him uh as well. 
So Arrow, as he tries to make his own escape, he gets attacked by, by um, I think it was Edward. Edward ends up ripping his head off, and yep. Bella ends up burning his body. Yep. And as Arrow watches his body burn, it's revealed that this is all a dream. <laughs> okay. I remembered this this fight from the first time I saw this in theaters. I woke up for this section of the movie. <laughs> And I completely forgot about this until I was rewatching it for this podcast. But when I was rewatching it for the podcast, I remembered that when I was in that theater watching this movie for the first time, again, I heard people groan in the theater when it was a, a vision and not a fight that actually happened. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of people that clapped the entire time and were very satisfied by they were by what they were watching. But there was also this subsect of people that I probably belonged to that really just groaned at this and i groaned at this too watching it i'm like this fucking stinks yep <laughs> that is exactly how i felt watching this i this was spoiled for me i forgot by who but i remember knowing that this was going to be a that this was going to be a dream like that this was just a vision alice had and that she was projecting it to the main bad guy. I get the distinction of being unpleasantly surprised by this two times. <laughs> like, it, it's, again, you had two movies that had zero stakes to them. And now you have this, where this is probably the weightiest thing, or this is probably the heaviest thing to happen to all your characters. And then you decide... To double back and say, this could happen if you choose to continue your course of action. Again, completely ineffective villains, right? Mm-hmm. Because after Aro sees this vision, they don't fight. They no. leave and they decide that they're going to leave them alone. Again, the villains again- are not anyone to be feared. The, the Cullens are way more intimidating than anything these villains do. <laughs> and... And, and now uh, the yeah. Cullens have the bad. They have the backing of almost every main like vampire family. Yeah, there they could no... be the villains. They <laughs> could be these ultra villains and in like a side story to another character. But they have absolutely zero f- reason to fear this bizarre, goofy council of people that supposedly manages all of them. <laughs> yeah, as I. Man, Count Chocula is scarier than these (laughs) I love that you say Count Chocula because I, you know, we didn't really get to see a ton of Aro in the last movies. And the, like, moaning, groaning, like, high-pitched laughter is comically bad. I, (laughs) yeah, this is not good stuff. It's like they chose to fo- it's like they watched interview with a vampire and only focus on that time that louis was in france <laughs> and was around the the weird like cirque du soleil people yeah <laughs> whom he goes on to murder but yeah it's just ah uh, this this whole like your villain is ineffectual you don't give a shit about them your heroes should in theory fucking like stomp mud holes and walk them dry with zero problems yeah. 
And then finally, when something interesting happens, after you have at least two movies in your franchise that don't have that that feel like they were inconsequential, like it's like finally the finale of your grand magnum opus feels inconsequential as well. And I absolutely hate that. Well, like thankfully, if... they, like, move on from this, and this isn't actually, like, the ending ending uh, after this has happened. And oh, no, this is, remember, noble... they in, they introduced the other noble savage, Noel. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I am a, I am a Brazilian half-vampire man, and I live to be 125, or I'm currently 125. Yeah. <laughs> and the Volturi was like, that's good enough for us. <laughs> yeah. All right, long we don't have to do anything. <laughs> oh um, fuck! Yeah, they leave, and then we're all of a sudden we're back, you know, at the Collins, and we're getting the Alice flash forward, right? Mm-hmm. Her seeing the future, and it's like Edward and Bella with Jacob and a horrifying. CGI adult Renesmee. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I don't. Yeah, just remind me of more things I didn't like. <laughs> We'd gone long enough in this movie where I didn't have to think about the thought of Jacob and Renesmee together, and then all of a sudden the movie's like, of course we had to come back to it. And and at least to to not have that be the lasting impression that stays in my mind. Um, there's the scene at the very end where it's uh Bella and Edward together in this meadow, very reminiscent of the first movie. And uh, she, like, basically lets Edward read her mind. And, you know, since we've been watching Renesmee show people the past and stuff like that all movie, uh, now you see that apparently Bella has that same kind of capability as well because they're watching all the moments that they've had together in the past few movies. And mm. for people who are into this franchise, maybe it means something. Maybe it means something to you, man. It doesn't really mean much to me. But well, I mean, definitely. You know, it's the, again, it's, it's the... the ending, right? It is it is yeah. the it is them going right back to the end saying it started with Bella and Edward. It's going to end with uh, Bella and Edward. And uh yeah, this is the whole story was about them falling in love. And this... um this is Tony's no. funeral in Endgame, where you zoom out and you see all the Avengers, and then it pans over and it shows you the Guardians of the Galaxy, and then it shows you the Wakandans, and yeah. and you know it just shows you. Hey, like, Godfather Three does this exact same thing, yeah. where Michael Corleone, like the entire ending of the movie, is Michael Corleone having having a flashback of his entire life, and uh, ultimately, you know dies in a chair while the orange rolls out of his hand <laughs> um and it's... yeah this is again it's it's where the thing about these closing chapters of a franchise is they find a way to kind of put put an exclamation point or put a period at the end of the sentence for it uh and uh yes the fact that it does end with the two of them and bella saying no one has ever loved anybody as much as i love you Boom, that is the end of the story. That is the end of Twilight. Yep, and then roll credits, which are very long because they're like, hey, we're going to include everyone that's been in this movie yeah. like from the entire beginning of the franchise to the end, including giving credit to uh, the original Victoria actress from the first movie, as well as Bryce Dallas Howard. 
So, yeah, that's kind of that's that's yeah, Twilight that Breaking Twilight. Dawn two, and ah. that is the Twilight Saga. So, Javi, <laughs> do you like Twilight Breaking Dawn Part two? Oh <laughs> uh, wait, did you ask me if I liked it? I'm asking you right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to just. I'm just trying to dissect it as a part as a single medium is not a part of the franchise um because i think as a part of the franchise i'm harder on this movie because i feel like i'm not a huge fan of the franchise <laughs> but no i did not like this movie it was your your villains suck the globe trotting that supposedly you were doing looked bad you have creepy baby powers <laughs> Yeah. Like the entire fi- your your entire climax is a waste of time because you, you it's a cop out. And granted, I know this is probably the at the end of the day this this movie was not made for me and that's perfectly fine. I accept that. This movie was definitely made for somebody. I can accept the fact that it probably wasn't made for me. But there is just so many shitty, like, as a non-filmmaker who appreciates film, there's just so many shitty writing choices and so many shitty, like, um, just, like, story choices that I'm, like, I'm, I can't, I could not get behind. Yeah. At the very least, I can I will say this about the movie is that from watching it from when they were younger and... Twilight till now the acting has gotten a lot better they've had a lot more experience lived in these characters a lot more um so even though they're goofy and they're weird and awkward at the very least it's like it it feels natural Mm -hmm. um I mean nothing can save nothing can say at the end of the day if you have a shitty script nothing can save that and when there's a line that literally is yelled at somebody you name my daughter after the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> I just I can't get behind it. Um, as far as the book into a franchise, again, I give them respect for that. They were able to say this is it. This is the story we want to tell. We're not going to touch it anymore, and that's perfectly fine. And I think, like you said, it, it's made the series have a lot more lasting power. Um, and it, you know, it, it, it's. You can finally say that this story is done. You can move forward, everyone, and everyone can be happy. But, yeah, that's just my thoughts. All right, so now this is going to be strictly for the fans of this franchise. I'm going to add something else onto this. Rank the movies in this franchise from your favorite to your least favorite. Ooh. Favorite to least favorite. All right, let's do a quick recap. One, total love story is how they meet. Two is Eclipse. No, two is New Moon. No, two moon is New Moon. That's where they break up. It's mostly and... about the wolves. Yeah, we get emo. We get emo. I want to kill myself. Suicidal Bella. And it's her and Jacob a lot of that movie. Okay. <laughs> I hated that movie. I hated uh... that movie too. <laughs> Uh, Eclipse is after. Eclipse then, is the one where they try to make the newborn army. Yeah. 
Uh, Breaking uh, Dawn 1 and 2. I'm going to say 1, 3. And then I'll put 1, 3, 4, 5, 2. Okay. Yeah, two is I hated New Moon, so I'm putting that at the bottom. I yeah, agreed. Mm, didn't like breaking uh, between the breaking dawns. I felt, I guess I like just because of Seth. I liked one. I liked the first one better, so I'll put that one up. Um, actually, no, I'll rank Eclipse higher. That's I think weird. you ranked it as your second favorite. You just said I, so. So so you started with the first. I said Twilight Eclipse. Yeah. Breaking Dawns, and then. Uh, and then yeah. last is New Moon. Yeah. Right. I yeah. You know what? I stand by that list. Yeah. I'm okay with that list. That's where my rankings are. What about you? All right. I did not like this movie. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to be that harsh on it. I did like this movie. I thought it was okay. I thought it was one of the weaker movies in the franchise because of all the stuff that you and I have been kind of harping on. But I don't think it's the worst. And I don't think it's near, like, I just don't think it's it's too bad. I just don't think it's that good, right? And it, it, it's just mid for me. And I think that's the, I think that's, if it, if it has a crime, its biggest crime is it's just not that interesting. Um, I liked the aspects again of like meeting all the vampires finding out what everyone's abilities are you know it's again it's the characters that we've been with um yeah it's i i had been in this franchise long enough and living in the world with these characters long enough that i'm going with everything that is happening here so it all went down easy none of it you know there was nothing that was particularly poisonous (laughs) so so uh, yeah, it's okay, and uh, it's it, it's just okay. So if someone wants to know if I like it or not, I thought it was okay, and that's really the best the best way that I can put it. Yeah, if, it's a fair fair assessment. If I am going to rank the movies in this franchise, just like you, I would rank the original Twilight as number one. I would actually put Breaking Dawn Part One as my second favorite. Okay. I think it's good. I think the conversation we had on it was really good. And I think both times that I've seen it, it's just been such, it's been good. I, I don't really have a ton of complaints about it. Um, I would put Eclipse after Breaking Dawn 1 as number three. Mm-hmm. I would put Breaking Dawn 2 as my as the fourth mm-hmm. and new moon is last place. I just <laughs> damn near the other than a couple changes. Yeah. We had a similar list. <laughs> yeah. It's it's except I think, I think I probably have a lot more of a greater opinion of breaking down part one than you do. <laughs> Honestly, that's the, <laughs> and I think eclipse. I, I, I like it more than breaking down two because again, the villains are just better in that one. And because we get those awesome vignettes with like with uh, Rosalie and Jasper that were just mm-hmm. it just it makes that movie stand out. And I think again, it's just New Moon. It just it doesn't stand out for me. It's it is the worst one. It's the least interesting that Jacob had ever been. 
and um yeah and I just, for all the time for all the time that we spent with the wolves in that one they never become that big of focus in later movies that it felt warranted to spend that much time with them mm-hmm. so uh there we go that is so that's it that's that's us talking about the twilight series we appreciate you guys coming uh along with us on this journey uh it, i'm sure it you know, I've gotten really good feedback from people who requested this series uh, that have enjoyed actually our conversations on it. And uh, and even people whose opinions are different than ours have noted that it's interesting to hear kind of an outsider opinion or an opinion of someone who didn't really get caught up in the mania when it happened. So, mm-hmm. um, so we hope, if nothing else, if you didn't agree with our opinions, uh, that you at least enjoyed you know the conversation that we've had around this i have to admit that this is this these are some of the the better episodes we've ever done of the show i thought it was really interesting <laughs> to talk about this and it just gives me such a desire to kind of do more franchise based stuff i think going in and 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 seeing something from beginning to end has actually been fun and i think it's given us so much to discuss when we're like talking about these characters for more than one just just one movie so like it, it's funny i remember i was talking to someone about that and they're like why are you guys doing twilight and i'm like well you can do a podcast about a movie you like and i'm like and that's easy like it's yeah. easy to talk about the stuff you like you know try talking about something that's out of your comfort zone that you're not used to and then still trying to find something to talk about <laughs> or something yeah. you did like and i'm like that's what makes for a better kind of like review experience i think some of the better shows that we've done on this podcast too, i mean it goes both ways right like you and i have done episodes on stuff like david fincher's zodiac it's mm-hmm. a thing that you and i love and we have great conversation on it but then we also talk about something like this or we talk about like other movies that are not good that we did not like that I think are equally interesting conversations. So the infamous New Year's Evil episode. I was about to say New Year's <laughs> Evil, and I think it's just it, it, for all the shit about how terrible that movie was, it is an episode that never leaves my mind because of, because of just how bad that movie was. Again none of the movies even new moon none of the movies in this franchise will reach will plunge to the filthy depths i <laughs> new year's evil from 1980 honestly dude like you're right and i can never like that will be my my bottom line that'll be worse like, than the room worse yes. than the room because the room at least has some redeeming like comedic value like it has a cult following people actually go to screenings for it Mm -hmm. like new year's evil is the literal shits like the drizzling shits of anything that we've reviewed on this podcast new year's evil was us scraping the barrel only to find a more barrel and then breaking (laughs) that to then go under 50 feet of shit like that is honestly like as far as bad movies go, like I won't, I try my hardest not to call a movie outright bad. That one was just bad. <laughs> and for new and for lo- new listeners who maybe have not gone so far back into the catalog, I think even movies that you and I loved as kids, like I think one of the episodes that we laugh like and laugh and laugh the most in is actually us talking about Batman Forever. I think our Batman Forever episode is just 
us literally fucking making each other laugh, like just poking holes at how stupid the shit of that movie is. Oh God! Yeah, well, so... absolutely admitting that we're biased and like that movie, and like I will go back to that movie a million times. But at least I'm honest with myself, and I think you and I just we just shit all over it while oh. enjoying while enjoying the fact that we were watching it. <laughs> oh, and that that is essentially the do we like movies podcast experience in a nutshell. We shit on things we love here. <laughs> yeah. So please, if you guys have any other ideas for any franchises you want us to see, these young adult franchises, by the way, these just, I love these. They print money, in my opinion. Yeah. (laughs) They're fun. They're fun to watch. They're fun to review. So if you have any other ideas, I know the freaking, uh, what's it called? The Hunger Games just had a new movie come out recently just to date the podcast. And speaking of which, uh, you know, for all the fun that we've had doing this franchise, I think the movie that you and I have have elected to do next after for, after Twilight is going to be a rough watch. We're 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 planning on going back to theaters for the first time in a very long time uh, for this podcast, and we're going to talk about uh, the Zac Efron starring uh, Iron Claw, which is a A twenty four drama based on real life wrestling family the von erics and uh and their world-class championship wrestling in in Mm -hmm. texas uh and you and i i can't wait to have a conversation about that movie because you and i are avid wrestling fans Mm -hmm. and uh, we know the story of the von erics and we know that most people who are going into this movie or who have seen this movie now that it's been out don't really know the the grisly details and the unfortunate tragic details of the members of this family. And I think us going through this, uh, it's going to be an interesting conversation because again, the perspective that we have as wrestling fans, in addition to people who are looking forward to seeing a very critically acclaimed movie. Yeah. As someone that has already seen it, I am giving y'all a warning right now. If you do have any issues with, uh, yeah, depictions of suicide or self harm, uh, it is a rough watch. Please take care of yourself and uh, yeah, be ready for that if you do choose to go watch Iron Claw. So uh, thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the podcast and for joining us for the series and for interacting with us offline about you know how you've been enjoying the series. Please continue to interact with us on social media on our Instagram page. Uh, leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. Rate the show on Apple Podcasts. Rate the show if you can on Spotify and uh, do what you can to just help get the word out on the podcast uh we are looking forward to now kicking off year five of do we like movies and i can't believe that we've been doing it this long and i think we've been close to maybe ending this a few times but for some reason every time (laughs) it looks like the show's about to end i think we find just we get rejuvenated and it keeps going so we get so a second we, wind and you just can't stop us baby yeah so it, yeah here we go dude half a decade we're starting year five now and uh i'm excited and we've to only continue. gotten we've only gotten balder and fatter ever since <laughs> uh so yeah we'll talk to you guys next time and uh have a happy new year happy right. 2024 everybody Later, y'all.